This is the I Work For Him podcast. To make sure you never miss a thing from I Work For Him, subscribe to our email list. Just head to our website at iworkforhim.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click subscribe, and sign up. We'll send the very latest blogs and podcasts from I Work For Him so you never miss a beat. That's iworkforhim.com. This is producer Michael Marigle. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to today's program. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him today. As you listen to us across the fruited plain from one end of the country to the other, I Work For Him is challenging you as Christ followers to take what you learn on Sunday and apply it to everything you do in your nine to five, whatever your nine to five looks like. And one of the things that we love is that as you listen to us on iHeartRadio and Let'sTalkFaith.com, as you listen to us on Red Nation Rising and on iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher, the thing that we love is that you are challenging yourselves and the people that you work alongside to just to make that connection between their faith and your work, recognizing that God created work to be good. He said it was good. And you and I need to recognize that it's good. We need to stop celebrating Friday afternoon and start celebrating Monday morning as we walk into our mission field. One of the things that sets us apart as Christ followers in a workplace, Martha, is excellence. Excellence is one of those things. Yes. And that excellence, a lot of people don't know what excellence looks like. How do we see it in action? When you think of excellence, what do you think? I think of taking all the skills that you've been given and doing it the very best that you can to be very intentional in using all of your abilities and doing it I can't say with excellence because you can't use a word in its own definition. No, you cannot. But we have a guy on the line with us today that can help us with this definition. We've got Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center who's written a book called Unconventional Business. And it's sad to say that excellence is unconventional. Rick Box, welcome back to I Work For Him. Well, hi, Jim. Hi, Martha. Hi. How are you today? Great. It's another perfect day here in Florida with temperatures soaring towards the 90s. How is beautiful (laughs) Kansas City today? Well, actually, I'm in St. Louis today, and it's kind of rainy and overcast. Oh, for some rainy and overcast days to sit by the fireplace and read a book. (laughs) We had one of those days this winter. It was very nice. We had one winter day. (laughs) We had one winter day. Rick, it makes me sad to think that excellence is unconventional. Because if there's one thing that our father's generation demonstrated was it didn't matter what they did, no matter what they did, they demonstrated excellence and they told you and me, hey, always do your best. Uh, In fact, if you borrow something from somebody, bring it back in better condition than when you got it. Excellence was something we were raised with, yet today it's unconventional? That is irritating. Yes. Well, I, I think partly it's uh, unconventional from my perspective in, in the fact that uh, the world's view on excellence, I think, is in contrast to God's view. What do you mean? Well, I think that uh, God has a different definition of excellence than what we typically think. Because if you think about excellence from the world's perspective, usually it's because we want to enhance the bottom line or we want to get glory and praise for ourselves. But God turns the tables on all that, and he says, no, 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 excellence in my book means you're doing your work in a way that you're bringing me glory. 
And so it's it's really diverting the glory to God and that we're remembering that we're doing the work for him and we're working as a, as if we are working unto the Lord not just trying to uh, you know get some accolades for ourselves. So you're saying that excellence in the world's view really focuses on self-glory as opposed to God glory. Yes, I would say that's true for many many people in the workplace. Sure, because we've been taught that, um, you know, hmm, a lot of people have the perspective of that it's more than I get paid for my job, but if I do it really well or really draw attention to myself in the work that I do, that there should be more, that it's bonuses or uh, Mm -hmm. awards or things like that, rather than it just it being in your nature that you should be doing it all with excellence like you said, so that God can get the glory. Why? Why did you do it that way? Why did? Why were you so good at this um, project that you went above and beyond to give God sure. the glory? And Martha, if you think about it, there's a, a lot of times when if you are trying to do it for your own glory, it's easy to steal someone else's idea and take credit for it or to cut corners so that you can make the product look excellent. You know, I remember a a home builder in our area that he built houses that looked beautiful on the outside, but he cut so many corners on the inside that he was constantly getting sued when people bought the houses and realized the thing wasn't going to hold up. Oh, wow. That's sad. That's very sad. That's very sad. All right, so... so then you're saying I'm just, I'm just trying to lay up this whole conversation on excellence because it frustrates me a little bit because what you know excellence you're saying it's not just a Christian thing but there's just a, it's the motivation behind it that that drives it and that's why you wrote about it in, in unconditional is that what you're saying uh, pretty much uh, because I, I believe that excellence a lot of people would agree whether they're Christians or not would agree that excellence is important actually. Um, Donnie Smith from Tyson, former CEO of Tyson Foods, I heard him speak once about excellence, and he was saying that excellence is the currency of the marketplace. And I believe that's true, is as we do well, and many, many people would say, yes, I want to produce an excellent product or service. But the motivation is key in the Christian worldview. And so we may see other people that do a great job and they produce a great product, but if they're doing it with the wrong motivation to to bring glory to themselves, then it still may be great products and services, but it may not be in alignment with how God would want them to do it. We're talking today with Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center. He's written this incredible book that every Christ follower who has anything to do with business needs to get a copy of. The book is called Unconventional Business, Five Keys to Growing a Business God's Way. And as any author and any preacher, they say there's five keys, but inside those five keys, there's another five keys. And <laughs> this book is packed full of information from one end to the other. And we're going to give away a copy of it after the Bob and the Half Hour, Unconventional Business by Rick Box. And that's where the basis of the conversation is today about excellence. And, and as Rick, you've already said that excellence, you know, the, the world's view is that it's it's self-glory and the, and, the, and the Christian view is that it's God-glory. But as you said, the currency of the marketplace, that excellence is the currency of the marketplace. And, and this, when you say that, then it means to me that people who demonstrate excellence make more money than people who don't. Is that what you mean? 
Well, I would say that's typically the case, is they can charge more for their products and services because people want excellent products and services. And so I, I do think that it's helpful in that regard. But it's also the currency that it gets you in the conversations. It, it allows you the opportunity to uh, bid on more business and, uh, and be involved in more things, which just also leads to an opportunity as followers of Jesus to be able to uh, bring glory to God more frequently. Well, and I think that's probably the reason why I really wanted to talk about this today, because if a Christ follower in the workplace, and all three of us have seen this demonstrated, if a Christ follower doesn't demonstrate excellence in what they do, in fact, if they see corners being cut, if somebody de- sees a Christ follower cutting corners, and not only not demonstrating excellence, but demonstrating I don't know, laziness or whatever the opposite of excellence is, unexcellence. Unexcellence. Uh, unexcellence. That's what they would say in, in the Quad Cities, right, Martha? Unexcellence? No, I was thinking Wikipedia, but that's okay. Go right okay. ahead. <laughs> but that, that you don't even get the opportunity to have a platform for sharing your faith because people will automatically discount anything you say as, I'm not going to listen because you don't demonstrate. I mean, you're... you're oh, yeah. It, it, they'll shut you down. And I, and I saw that firsthand uh, one day I was doing some consulting work with a guy that had fairly newly uh, accepted Christ. And so he was like a lot of people. He was gun-ho, and he was on fire to evangelize to everybody. But he really hadn't gotten his business house in order yet. And I was walking in one day while one of his suppliers was walking out. And this guy stops him, and he said, that guy in there has just an awful lot of gall. He said, that guy hasn't paid me in over 90 days, and he has the gall to preach at me about his God? No, yeah. thank you. I don't have any interest in that. And, and, you know, and so he blew his opportunity to share Christ with someone mm. and actually hurt his testimony because of how poorly he was running his business at that time. And that says so much. Excellence in a workplace, the thing that should set us apart as Christ followers. In fact, if you joined the I Work for Him Nation, which we invite you to do each and every day, we ask that people, number one, start praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. But then look for ways to serve people, look for ways to befriend people, because that's the platform that you'll then get the opportunity to pray with people. But then all along, in order to keep uh, maintain your witness at work, you need to maintain excellence. Be a person of excellence. Be the person in the workplace that everybody says, why are you so good at what you do? Why is it you won't compromise? That's the excellence that will give you an opportunity to share what Jesus has done in your life. Today we're talking with Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center. You can find out lots more about them online at integrityresource.org. He's written this book that every Christ follower in business should read, and really anybody working in a workplace should read, Unconventional Business. Rick, as you as we talk about excellence, I want to take a step back for a minute because your integrity moment today Talking about the Barna research that Laterno University's Center for Faith and Work sponsored is some pretty earth-shattering statistics today. I mean, pretty. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I I told Martha said, wait a minute, really? Because I read your thing this morning because we get it by email or first thing in the morning. And I'm like, wait a minute, it can't possibly be that big of a number. But how cool is it that from 2011, 26 percent of the people had never had been hearing sermons on relating their faith and work, and in 2014 it had jumped that that 86 percent of people had heard a sermon connecting their faith and the work. That's a huge improvement. 
It really is, and it's it's so encouraging because the the church really has been one of the harder parts of the whole faith at work movement advancing, and so more and more pastors are understanding how important this is now uh, to equip the saints to be able to be light into the workplace that they're called to, and so it's exciting that the the church is getting it. So one of the things that I love, and and I should say, our listeners can sign up for your your blog, your so that your integrity, your integrity moment, moment so integrity that they can moment, get yeah. that at via email. And one of the things that the email did was it gave a link to go look at more information on that research. And then I loved there was a link in that research that you could share with your pastor that encourages a pastor to actually commission workers mm. in the workplace yeah. or in their church to go out into the workplace as a missionary. And, yeah. you know, that's what we talk about on the air every day. So I just want to encourage our listeners to to look that up and be able to um, challenge their pastor to say, hey, you need to tell us that we matter. Commission us to go out into our workplace. And that movement across the country can make a huge impact. So we can today, in our Facebook post, plug that link in, can't we? Sure. Okay. Right, we'll oh, yeah. But then, sure. Rick, people can go out on integrityresource.org and sign up to get your daily blog, right? Yes. Yes, okay. they can. So th- is it right there on the front page? Yes, it's on the home page, and they can just sign up real easy. Integrityresource.org. And it is literally, uh, Rick Box has been part of iWorkRim almost from the beginning with these integrity moments because they, they just touch the workplace so well every day. And as we're going through his book, Unconventional Business, this 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 chapter on excellence, it, I struggled with it because I'm thinking, why do we need to talk about And Martha's encouraging me to be glass half full, Rick, not glass half, half empty. But my question was, why is it we're talking, we have to talk about excellence? As an unconventional thing. we got listeners just tuning in, Rick. Well, in your opinion, why did you include this in a chapter in a book on unconventional business? Well, I do want this uh, book to be a guide for people to do business God's way. And part of God's way is definitely He wants us to do our work with excellence. But if we remember that uh, in Colossians 3, Paul was writing, he said, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. And so, to me, that's telling us that, yes, we're to do our work with excellence, but God's getting the glory, and that's the way that he wants it. But that is so unconventional. I mean, very few people ever divert the glory to God when someone's giving them accolades for the work that they did. But I think that God wants us to remember him in all that we do and not be bashful about, you know, just saying, you know, well, that was because of the grace of God I was able to do that. Mm, That's so powerful. So let's talk about some examples of excellence. In your book, in Chapter 5, and and the chapter is labeled Modeling Excellence. you got a story about Larry. Tell tell the story about Larry. Yeah, Larry, uh, (laughs) he has a a lawn service that's uh, really grown and flourished over the years. Actually, I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, when he was having an anniversary for his business one day, he showed me his list of startup customers, and I was the second customer he ever had. Mm -hmm. But uh, he ended up having a business that always 
modeled excellent service in the fact that you saw his red trucks driving down the street. They were always spotless and clean. He always did just a great job. And if you ever go spend any time with Larry, I remember walking across the parking lot with him to uh, grab a bite to eat at, at some sandwich shop, and he's stopping along the way and picking up the trash from somebody else's parking lot. Uh, that's just who Larry is. But one day, he uh, came to one of our events, and we had a guy from Chick-fil-A there speaking about how they do business, uh, their servant leadership model that they were using, and how they glorify God, even on the plaque out front of their building, uh, with their mission statement. And so Larry called me the next day, and he said, you know, I was so moved, but here this big company you know, has the courage to give credit to God for the excellent product that they're serving in their restaurants. We're a small, fleet-of-foot type of company. Why can't we do something like that? And I said, well, there's no reason why you can't, Larry. He said, well, then you need to come over here and we need to talk because I need to figure this out. And we ended up having a great conversation and talking about, well, how would that look and what would we do? And ultimately, we ended up you know, training his staff on why are we doing this and how can we glorify God. And then he changed his mission statement so that it actually states in his mission statement that they are there to glorify God, and that's their purpose. And he started putting that out in all of his newsletters and all of the uh, collateral pieces that he would send out to people. And so he took a business that was doing excellent work, and Larry was getting credit for that, and he's now diverting the credit to God and realizing that he's really doing this for God, and his staff is now understanding that as well. And how did that impact Larry's business? How did that multiply in helping grow his business and his reputation? Oh, you know, his his business has grown tremendously. He's in, uh, I think he's in like five cities now, and his staff they really uh, admire and appreciate the fact that uh, you know that he's got a greater purpose for them in the work that they're doing than just you know cleaning up somebody's yard and, and taking care of the the grass or whatever. And so it's uh, it's been a real blessing for his business, and it's been fun to watch the growth and how God is able to uh, get credit for all that's going on there. You know, in Chapter 5, Modeling Excellence, in your book, Unconventional Business, you, there, there's, the Bible's full of, packed of examples of people who demonstrated excellence. You got Abraham and Joseph, but you chose to focus on Nehemiah <laughs> as, as the person who demonstrated excellence and, and modeled it. Why did you choose Nehemiah? What was it about Nehemiah that stood above the rest? Well, first of all, I really wove Nehemiah through the whole book, because I think if you look at the book of Nehemiah, you can't find a better leadership book. I mean, here is a man that was working for the king of Persia, and he was, uh, you know, he was the guy that was supposed to be the so-called cupbearer. And for him to finally get to a place to where God broke his heart for his homeland, that uh, Jerusalem was lying in rubble, and no one had done anything about it, and that uh, really spoke to Nehemiah, and he wanted to do something about it. And so when the king looked at him one day and said, why are you so downtrodden? Nehemiah had done such excellent work for that king 
that whenever he said, my homeland's broken down and I need to go fix it, you know, it would have been easy for the king to shut him down and say no, but instead the king promotes him to being governor over all of Jerusalem and gives him all the resources and all the things that he needs and that he asked for so that he can go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And so I believe that not only did Nehemiah model excellence before he got to Jerusalem, but when he did get to Jerusalem, it's amazing that they finished rebuilding the wall around the entire city of Jerusalem in only 52 days. Well, and, and, and that's and, and I don't want you to get too far ahead in the story because I want people to be able to keep up with this. But I, I think your initial point in in talking about the fact that when when the king noticed Nehemiah's countenance, let's just say countenance, and mm-hmm. Nehemiah shared something from his heart. If Nehemiah had been an annoying employee, if Nehemiah had been an employee that showed up late for work and left early, if right. Nehemiah had been one of those guys that always did just enough to get by, there's no way the king would have even asked that question. And right. he certainly wouldn't have promoted him. Well, and actually, he probably would have been at risk of losing his life, because back then, cupbearers were not allowed to frown or to uh, be downtrodden, because that would put fear in the heart of the king, because what if somebody was poisoning him? He, you know, he wants he wants his cupbearer to be happy and upbeat and, and assuring him that all's well. Yeah, it's a pretty powerful position, being the cupbearer. I, I wouldn't want that job, that's for sure. Well, I don't yeah, I've heard it equated to today. We would more closely equate it to a Secret Service agent, right? Yeah, taking the bullet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Nehemiah gets then assigned to do this project, which from Persia to Israel to Jerusalem. First of all, he had to travel quite a ways. I mean, really, yeah. that's modern day Iran, and mm-hmm. so it's five hundred some miles or something like that across some really nice territory. Beautiful palm trees, grassy ocean. Oh no, it's just a desert. That's a dry, <laughs> ridiculous desert. So he, he gets this job, and when we come back, Rick, I want to dig deep into how did Nehemiah specifically demonstrate excellence in rebuilding this wall. Because as you said, Nehemiah is an excellent book for us to grab onto for leadership and excellence. All right, we're talking with Rick Box today from the Integrity Resource Center. And as Martha and I mentioned in the first half of the show, we get his daily blog, which then gets turned into the Integrity Resource Moment every day or the Integrity Moment every day on I Work For Him. You too can get that email. Go out to integrityresource.org and sign up today. Integrityresource.org has phenomenal resources, including the fire assessment out there for you to find out, hey, how are you doing in connecting your faith with what you do each and every day? Rick, look, we're talking about excellence today, and you chose Nehemiah as the example of excellence. And his task, laid on his heart by the Lord, was to go to Jerusalem from Iran, the, t- the, the country of Persia at the time, and to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which had been torn down by the Babylonians years earlier. How did Nehemiah demonstrate excellence in what he did? You know, I think, first of all, he really bathed this whole process in prayer. And so he submitted it to God and allowed God to lead. And so God led him into having favor with the king so that he could get the resources that he needed to even make the uh, trip to Jerusalem. But once he got there, 
he just did an excellent job of rallying the team. There's so much wisdom when you break it down and you start looking at the steps that Nehemiah went through. I mean, like one thing that he did was is he knew that he needed to break this wall into sections so that uh, teams of people could build each section. Well, he was smart enough to realize you need to start with the influencers. So he picked the priest, and he went to the the high priest and said, why don't you take the first section? And by them agreeing to do that, that gave permission, in essence, to everybody else that, oh, if they're involved, then maybe I need to be involved too. And so he just used a lot of uh, brilliant tactics that I think was God-led so that they could actually uh, get this uh, this wall rebuilt. And the amazing thing, I think, is, is in Nehemiah 6, when they've completed the wall, we read, it says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of LL in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. So here they pulled off this task, and I've been over there. I've seen where these walls were, and I don't think that we could pull off rebuilding those walls today with That's all what, the earth-moving equipment we have. I was saying the same thing. There's like no way you could get that done in 2017 like that. It, it, no way. It would take yeah. the politicians that long just to agree to disagree and, and to get it done. Yeah, and and so for the people around them, seeing this done in 52 days, it says they were literally afraid because they knew that it had been done with God's help. Well, what a powerful testimony uh, for him to do such an excellent job in working jointly with God and what God wanted to accomplish there, that now all of a sudden his enemies actually are crediting God with the victory. It's very, very cool. But you put in the book that there's there's five ingredients to excellence, kind of like a great cake mixture, which has got great ingredients. Mm-hmm. You said excellence has five key ingredients. Let's. You said there were purpose, skill, attitude, Christ-centered labor, and then serving well. Can we dig through those? Can we, do we Absolutely. Have okay. All right. So what do you mean that purpose is part of excellence? What do you mean by that? Well, I, I believe, and if we look at Ephesians two ten, it's you know it says, "For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do." So that speaks to me that we each have a calling and a purpose, and God has ordained for us what He wants us to do vocationally. And so, if we're not operating within that purpose then we're undermining the ability and the opportunity for us to perform with excellence. So I think purpose is important for us to discover. Now, I will uh, have a caveat with that, that there are seasons, just like Moses had to go through 40 years shepherding in the desert, in essence, there are seasons where God may be doing character training, and it may not feel like, our calling. It may not feel like a place that we want to be, but we're usually going to have a sense that, yes, I need to stay here even though this is painful. And so it is part of God's plan. But ultimately, God has a purpose and a plan for us, 
and we need to uh, be in, in alignment with that. Well, and when you talk about purpose, you also talk about a, a, the plan, and, and that you know a lot of people, if they're not familiar with the story of Nehemiah, don't realize, okay, this isn't one guy who used to work as the wine taster for the king, who just then traveled alone to Jerusalem to accomplish this project, and he had to rally the troops. When the king said, you go do this, Nehemiah, he sent wagons full of supplies. He sent an, a, a contingent of the army to come alongside him. The king trusted mm-hmm. Nehemiah so much, he gave him everything he needed, and then he gave him the signet ring that said, he's got the power. I mean, that's yeah. the governorship. I mean, he, he, that he was endorsed by the king. And the enemies, which many of them were Jews, were, were got, in, got in the way of Nehemiah. I mean, these people, it's not like these guys had a plan and everything went smoothly according to plan. They had, they had people that had to stand guard so somebody could actually build the blocks and put the blocks back in place. I mean, this was not an easy task. That's right. But yet he got it done and he, and he did, and he did it with excellence. So you said the next thing in, in demonstrating excellence is skill. And, and when, when looking at Nehemiah, I think. Okay, most of the people that he used for laborers, they weren't skilled wall builders. What did you mean by skill in reference to this story? Well, I, I think we also have to remember that God has also equipped each of us with skill. And it's easy to think that, oh, you know, I'm not that good and I don't have any real skills. But yet, if you look in Exodus 31, there's a story about a little-known character. And what I find fascinating mm. is, is this is the first person in Scripture that was mentioned to be filled with the Spirit of God. And it wasn't a priest or a prophet. Instead, it was a guy named Bezalel that was a craftsman, and he's the one that built the Ark of the Covenant and all the things that went into the tabernacle. But it tells us, uh, right in that uh, in that story in Exodus, that Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of God, with skills, ability, and knowledge to do all sorts of crafts. And, and so I think that Bezalel's not unique. God did that for all of us. He created us. He gave us some skills, and so there's things that sometimes, I've seen a lot of people that they, and it's not even humility, they oftentimes really sincerely do not believe that their skills are well-honed or very good, but yet other people around them can look and say, well, you do that extremely well, better than anybody else. I think that's a lot of, you know, how were we brought up? That Did our parents help us understand that we've been gifted? So there's so much that, it, it, really what you're saying is that God built built our skills into our DNA, that there's actually, that that some things just come natural to people. And I've seen it. You've seen artists like that where they can look at a lump of clay and what they see is something inside the lump of clay. They just had to remove the stuff out of the way that's, that's blocking what's being seen or somebody that can paint or somebody that can write like you or talk on a radio like you. I mean, those gifts God built into our DNA and that showing that excellence in the skill, uh, it's, it's kind of fun to just see, wow, that person doesn't even have to work at that. And one of the things that that story really reminds me of is the fact that, um, and I always have trouble saying it, Beelzelel, no. or <laughs> Say it for, say it for me. Bezalel. Bezalel. So he didn't only have the ability to make what we know that he made. I mean, I, I believe that God gives us 
all kinds of um, opportunities to use our skill that we may not see as being the Ark of the Covenant or some wonderful, Mm -hmm. you know, masterpiece of the world, but that doesn't make them any less significant. And that's, I think, the thing that goes back to excellence is the fact that we may make a gift to give to a friend that we handcraft. And if we do that with excellence and we take our time and put it into that, that is something that God's instilled in us that we can show the love of Christ through to other people. So everything that we do, not just the masterpiece, are done with skills that he's given us. And that's a great point, Martha, because we need to remember that, in essence, we are ambassadors of God. And if we use those gifts and skills and do it well, even though it may be an obscurity uh, at times, we are ambassadors of God. Mm -hmm. And so we've just handed that gift to someone, and they're saying, wow, they really did this well, and they know that it came from God. We're talking today with Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center about his latest book, Unconventional Business, and we're talking about modeling excellence and the impact that we as Christ followers modeling excellence, how it impacts our workplace, how it impacts our ability to be an example for Christ, how it impacts our ability to actually exercise in our mission field our faith, to be Jesus for people. Because as we demonstrate excellence and bring glory to God with just doing a good job, whether it's just whether you're whether you're all the time all you do is file something or maybe you enter uh, things into the computer all day long or maybe you are working on an assembly line and you are you're making screws or maybe you're digging ditches for the cable company maybe you're selling used cars or detailing used cars no matter what you do the excellence that we demonstrate gives us a platform for ministry Ricky okay so the in in the five ingredients of excellence we had purpose and skill attitude Attitude comes in as number three, but really it's at the center of these five, because without a great attitude, you're in deep trouble. Really are. And and I think attitude cuts a a couple of different ways, Uh, Jim. I write in the book about head trash. You know, a lot of us have been, you know, brainwashed as kids that, you know, maybe we're not all that good at certain things, or, you know, we may have people that tell us you're you're never going to amount to anything. And so there's baggage that many people carry around, and they may have the purpose, they may have the skill, but all of a sudden their attitude undermines their ability to carry out their work with complete excellence. And in essence, we don't realize it, but that is really kind of a selfish mindset that actually denigrates the power of God, because God doesn't build junk. And if we're walking around feeling like we're junk, then we've, in essence, countered who God really is in his nature. And so I think it's important that we uh, we focus on having a good attitude, a positive attitude. And, you know, we've probably all seen people that were highly skilled doing something that they didn't really know if they wanted to do it or not. I mean, I remember playing Little League Baseball, and we had a guy on my team that was just excellent skill. But he had a terrible attitude, and he hated being there, and so it really undermined his uh, his value. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. In every part of our lives, our attitude impacts everything. So, Rick, we're talking about the five ingredients to excellence that Nehemiah demonstrated. The last two pieces, Christ-centered labor and serving well, how does that fit into what Nehemiah did? Well, I, I think that uh, Nehemiah was 
very much God-centered in how he approached things. He he bathed the whole thing in four months of prayer before he even uh, approached the king about his dream of going and rebuilding Jerusalem. And all along the way, he rallied people back to God whenever fear would creep in and they thought that their enemies were going to overwhelm them. He would always point them back to the Lord and say, we need to we need to rally for the Lord and realize that he's going to take care of this. And so I think Nehemiah was very, you know, uh, Christ wasn't on the scene yet, but he definitely was God-centered on how he was doing that. Well, and how many of us could learn from that example? So many of us will pray tonight, and we'll be expecting the Lord to give us an answer tomorrow. <laughs> Nehemiah fasted and prayed off and on for four months before he even thought about having the conversation with the king. Four months. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't wait four months for anything. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's even more amazing to me whenever you le- read later in the story, because it-, it would be easy to read that first part and say, this guy prayed for four months, he must have just been a prayer guy. Probably wasn't a man of action. Until you go read the story later, and you're like, man, this guy was all about action. Once he got into into the work mode, you know, he just really got it done. And that's important for us to understand that everything that we do should be bathed in prayer and that we should be a people of prayer. Uh, And as a church, we need to encourage people to let them know the power of prayer. That's just something that's really cool. Well, I think it also tells me two things that he knew how big of a deal it was to go and speak to the king. And he also, um, it was all about God's timing because God laid things into into line that needed to happen, you know, and allowing him, like, I put that in modern day, and I think, okay, you need a huge leave from your current job in order for, you know, I mean, he got a leave of absence, and but yet he was blessed, and he was given the resources and, and sent on his way. So timing was everything, and so he did not go before God's timing in yeah, that. No, I mean, just if he spent four months praying for it, Rick, it then took him probably... Uh, a month to gather everything together to go, and it probably took two months to walk there. Yes, and then he and then he had to get everything done. And he got everything done probably in less time than it took to walk there <laughs> and to pray. He got the wall Pretty rebuilt. Amazing. Yeah, that's a great point. How, what about serving well? It just seems like serving well is the key to success in anything, but it seems redundant. Again, in your book about unconventional business, serving should be something that as Christ followers should come first and foremost. But isn't serving well just a no brainer to fitting in with excellence? Well, you know, it, it really seems like it would be. However, I think there's a lot of people that do a lot of planning. They talk up a great game, but if you don't actually put it in action and get the job done, then you really aren't going to show up with excellence. And it's important from a Christian's perspective that in First Timothy, it says those who have served well, gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. And so God wants us to serve well in all aspects. And so as an ingredient of excellence, you know, it does seem like a no-brainer. But reality is we've got to execute. We can't just keep talking about it. We've got to execute. Every one of us is guilty of not praying enough. Every one of us is guilty about acting too fast and not taking time. And, and, I mean, so many of us have 
cut corn. I mean, we all are guilty of some of these things, but it, it's a it's a great reminder to hear the story of Nehemiah and to see how the Lord rewarded his excellence. You know, in in thirty seconds or less, Rick, have you, you got a story of of a business person you've worked with recently that that understood this and and started taking this paradigm shift towards becoming an unconventional business person? Uh, yes, you know, we had a guy uh, three years ago that called me and said, I really believe that if the Bible's true, that I ought to be running my business according to it. Can you help me do that? And we mapped out a strategy and a plan as to how he could start implementing that. And he has changed so many lives in his business. Uh, his business is now really flourishing, and he's getting people coming just to see what he's doing. And the amazing thing is, is two weeks ago he called me just uh, just so excited. He said, I just found out that we've been named Small Business of the Year for the entire state of Missouri hmm. uh, for this year by the SBA. And he's on his way to Washington, D.C. to uh, be in the running for the entire United States. Rick Box and- with the Integrity Resource Center. Thanks for being an I Work for him today. Thanks for your incredible book, Unconventional Business. Okay, thanks, Jim and Martha. Find out more about them online, integrityresource.org. You've been listening to the I Work For Him radio show with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.